0: I'm a simple singer, but my heart and
1: mind are strong. Good morning and welcome to Get Your Love on Radio here on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. Those lyrics are such a blessing. Uh, We want to keep our mind and our hearts strong. And so we get in the Word. We get right to it here on Get Your Love on Radio. I want to welcome you. My name is Julie Bueller. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. And our mission is to share God's love. Through the truth of his word. And we have three incredible ministers I'm so blessed to present to you today, each one with different personalities, different backgrounds, and unique jobs before God Almighty. And yet, you're going to hear throughout all the teaching today beautiful unity in the spirit of of Christ and beautiful unity of instruction and perfect clarity of instruction because God wants us to walk in great confidence and great clarity and never in confusion. So please stay until the very end. We've got 9 to 11 today here. We're on every Sunday morning from 9 to 11. And uh, the next two hours are packed with powerful scripture, powerful instruction, and beautiful, beautiful New ways of looking at situations, challenges, and this life. So again, please stay tuned to the end. There's a lot of meat for each of us and incredible teaching that will just lift our heart and draw us closer to God because that's what he wants. God wants us so close to him. He actually wants to dwell in us and us in him. That's only possible through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we teach about here on Get Your Love On. We always read from the King James Version of the Bible, and there's good reason for that. It's because it is the original translation from ancient languages to modern languages that gives us the beautiful scriptures in English. It's closest to the original transcript. Every every other Bible is based off that. So as a natural process, there's a dilution. We don't want any of God's word diluted, so we stick to the King James version of the Bible here, and we understand also that having the gift of the Holy Spirit is key to worshiping God, because the word says, "They that worship God, God seeks those to worship Him, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth." So we offer the gift of the Holy Spirit here on this show, Get Your Love On. And if you're not familiar with it, if you're just new to that, please go to getyourloveon.org. We have some beautiful teaching on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important and it's key to this spiritual walk, to this Christian life. It's very, very important because Christ wants us again to dwell with him. So he came died on the cross, resurrected, and sent the Comforter so that we can walk with Christ, free from sin, sickness, and disease. John eight thirty six says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So let's go back up to verse 34 because it's really important. It says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, free from sin, and abide in the house of God forever. These are absolutes before Jesus Christ of Nazareth. These are promises of God. These are not Maybe, sort of, okays. These are absolute promises of God that when we serve Christ, we shall be free and free indeed. Now, the Greek meaning of that word free is to be unrestrained as a citizen and not a slave. We are not slaves to sin when we are in Christ, it means to be exempt from obligation or liability. We are no longer liable to sin when we walk with Christ, when we walk in the Holy Spirit. So this is a newsflash. And this might shock a lot of people that have been taught that sin is part of the Christian walk. It's not. In fact, you can't be a, quote, sinner and walk with Christ. You can't. It's one or the other. You choose sin or you choose Christ. The word also says you can't choose two masters. It says right here, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So we either serve Christ or serve sin. There's no middle ground, my friends. We want more word? We've got a lot for you. Stay tuned. Stay to the end. Stay to the end. It's worth it. Your soul is so precious and it's so valuable. It is worth getting the fullness of the scriptures. And so many churches teach part of it because maybe they don't know all of it. That's part of it. Or maybe they've got some bills to pay. And so they just want to keep as many tithe payers around as possible. So they'll just find ways to give enough encouragement that keep people coming back for more, but doesn't actually cleanse them of their sin. And so a lot of people are walking in this wishy-washy confusion. Well, if Christ makes you free from sin, as he declares here, how can you be a sinner? You can't. That creates confusion. God wants clarity. God gives clarity. The word says God is not the author of confusion, but it's us to, up to us to choose. Do we want to serve Christ or serve sin? There's no in between. Let's go to Romans 6. I've got a lot of word for you. So I'm going to let the word do the talking because I want you to notice something. If there's a, a minister or an online a service or any, if there's teaching you're seeing that says it's okay to be a sinner, note how much Bible they offer. Note how much they're getting in this book versus talking out of their own mind. That's a real key. There's a lot of people that talk out of their own mind, but they don't actually have the word of God. So let's get into the word of God. Let's go to Romans 6. Verse one, if you have your Bible with you, I'll encourage you to open it up. Even if it's not the King James Version, please follow along um, and then make sure you get the King James Version so that you can follow along. It's really powerful. It's so exciting to read the Word according to the Holy Spirit and we're gonna we will have the perfect instruction for each one of us to know how to do that. Again, God wants us to walk in confidence and clarity. We'll give that to you today, so stay tuned. Romans 6, let's start in verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Why is that baptism so important? It's because it literally washes away the past. It washes away all the sin. It washes away the recognition of sin. It washes away the penalty of that sin. And it literally literally gives us that resurrection power, just like Christ. So we also at getyourloveon.org have some beautiful teaching on baptism, very in-depth and thorough teaching. Please make your make that available to yourself, especially if this is the first time you're hearing about the infilling of the Holy Ghost or getting baptized for the purpose of remaining free from sin. This is really important. So if you haven't been baptized, or if you're not sure if the person that baptized you was filled with the Holy Spirit themselves, please reach out to us. We will help you. We will connect you to the family of faith and we'll ensure that your soul is able to walk free with Christ because that's what the Lord wants. That's what his whole, that's what he did, everything he did. Okay, let's go to verse four now. Again, that baptism into Jesus Christ is really key. Here it says in verse four of Romans 6, Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Forget the past. Walk in newness of life. That means totally ignore the natural mind, totally reject man's way of doing things and accept all of God. That means being free in Christ, free from sin, free from sickness, free from disease. Verse 5, it says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, that glorious life, that glorious victory for all time. When we are obedient to that baptism, that's what we get, that glorious victory for all time. We are no longer wondering whether or not we are walking in Christ. We have that that likeness of his resurrection in us as long as we keep it, as long as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to that in a second. As long as we hold fast to that, it's ours. The Lord says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I. Let not your heart be troubled. The God of all creation, God Almighty, doesn't give in part. He gives perfectly in totality. (laughs) It's awesome. Isn't that glorious? For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, if we've been baptized by holy hands and for the remission of sins, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. (whistles) The greatest victory in human history becomes ours. Verse six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. See how important that baptism is? See how important receiving the Holy Spirit is? See how important believing the word of God is? It's the very key to destroying the body of sin and henceforth not serving sin. It's a wonderful thing. Verse 7, it gets better, my friends. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Free from sin. You're not a sinner, my beloved friends. I'm I'm so blessed to offer you this very phenomenal, wondrous reality. According to the word of God, when we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, we are dead. To the flesh we are dead to the past and such and and therefore are freed from sin it's that simple i got more scripture let's keep going this is so cool verse eight now if we be dead with christ we believe that we also shall live with him <laughs> again what a contrast what a contrast when we are baptized And filled with the Holy Spirit, we are dead to the past. We are dead to sin. We are dead to the old ways, the crummy life, the the disappointment, the constant disappointment. And instead, we live with Christ. We live with that resurrection power. We live with that great victory. We live with that great overcoming power every second of every day. Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, again, we are in Romans 6, verse 11. This is really important. Crank up your volume. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through sin. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So through Jesus Christ, we are alive unto God, the creator of all eternity, and dead unto sin. Sin no longer is a part of our life. Verse 12, once we understand that, once we get that, Paul is is pleading with us here. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Love that contrast yet again. Isn't Apostle Paul amazing? Isn't this awesome word? Isn't it incredible to know that we have the opportunity to be completely free from sin, to walk entirely victorious in Christ, and that we know we can choose. See this choice here in verse 13? Neither yield your members unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God and righteousness. Okay? There's a choice, but there's no in between. So that's really important to know. When we choose God, we choose righteousness, and we specifically choose also choose to renounce sin, to not sin. So any teacher of the word, any pastor, any minister that is confusing this, that is saying, well, yeah, I'm Christian. Oh, I'm a sinner. They're not Christian. They don't know God because God is only righteous. So it's clear. Again, here's more word. Let's go to verse 14. (laughs) See, the word does the work, my friends. The word does the work. No one... Christians can't dispute with the word of God. Well, true ones can't. I'll tell you this, though. um, Well, let's get back into the word. Well, I'll give you a little story a little bit later on here. So let's go to verse 14 here. All right. Here's why this is so important to recognize the truth of these statements, the truth of these decisions we make. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Again, clear contrast. No middle ground. Either someone's yielding to sin, and that leads to death, or we yield ourselves unto God, and that, le- that ch- trends to righteousness. That leads to righteousness through our obedience. Verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So if you've been told you're a sinner and you're hearing this for your, for the first time that you are not, that Christ wants us to live free from sin, live free from shame, live free from guilt, free from all of it, free from death, Christ wants us to live free. And when we obey from the heart this form of doctrine from the Holy Bible, then We are, verse 18, being made free from sin, excuse me, and we become the servants of righteousness. It's just that simple. We are made free from sin and we become the servants of righteousness. Want some more? There's more to it. Let's go 19, verse 19, Romans 6. It says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness that's something isn't it Paul is saying whatever the past has been it doesn't matter right now start right now it doesn't matter forget what you've been told forget what you've what's been beaten down your your beaten into your head forget it right now, yield your members, yield your heart, mind, soul, spirit, body to righteousness unto holiness. Because in verse 20, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. And what fruit had ye then in those things, whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of sin is death, period, end of story. So why do Christians try to walk this muddied water, walk in this muddy water of, I'm a sinner. I'm going to sin. It's just what's going to happen. It's because they don't know the word. And they've been taught by someone using a natural mind, not a spiritual mind. Because when you have the spirit of God, all things are possible. So of course, of course we can live free from sin. Because with God, all things are possible. So that makes really good sense. And Consider what Paul is saying here. What fruit was there in sinning? Shame, dismay, disappointment, separation from God, and eventually death. Okay? That's why it's so important to recognize that through Christ, we are free from sin. Here it says again, verse 22, But now being made free from sin— Being made free. How are we made free from sin? By accepting Jesus Christ of Nazareth as our Lord and Savior. By repenting, as as outlined in Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you. That's what Acts 2.38 says and 2.39. So that's how we know we can be made free from sin. And it says, I'll go start in verse 22 again at the beginning, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. This next scripture is absolutely critical to understand. Um, It's literally life, everlasting life or death, everlasting death. So this is really important. This is Romans 6, verse 23. As you can see, Paul thoroughly outlined how we are being made free from sin, becoming servants of God. And verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. So those who say, I'm a sinner, admit to being on a path towards death because the wages of sin, what you are paid in the end for sin is death. Verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's accept that eternal gift of God and let's accept that eternal life and let's live free from sin. Okay. I've got more. First John chapter three, let's go to verse five. This is awesome. Again, you know, those who say, oh, you got to sin a little every day or, you know, it's inevitable you're going to sin. How much word are they they preaching? Because Romans 6 is very clear. And 1 John chapter 3, very clear. We'll start in verse 5. It says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Speaking of Christ, Christ came to take away our sins. As we walk in Christ... If we have the faith to believe that he is who he says he is, we'll understand that we won't be walking in sin. It says here in verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Those who say they are sinning do not know Christ. That's 1 John 3, 6. That's the word. Here we go, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So question, Christian, was Christ victorious? Yes. Is Christ victorious? Yes. For all eternity? Absolutely. What does that mean? It means he's destroyed the work of the devil. Sin comes from Satan, right? So if Christ destroyed the work of the devil and we're walking in Christ, we also destroy the work of the devil. We also destroy sin. Verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin. Because he is born of God. Again, that baptism filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that baptism also has to be done by someone with the Holy Spirit. So again, if this is new to you, if you're hearing these things and you're going, Whoa, I've never heard this before in my life. I've been, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've never heard these things. Go to getyourloveon.org. We have some beautiful Bible studies for you that further outline being filled with the Holy Spirit, that further outline the totality of Christ's amazing victory. It's not wishy-washy. It's total. It's awesome. God's so good. And we have three beautiful ministers today that will further outline this with their own personality, with their own unique um, delivery, and in perfect unity. Because the Spirit of God is one. That means it's there, there is no variance with God. There's no, oh, I got to be a sinner, but I got to be free from sin, back and forth, wishy-wash. Nope. <laughs> Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's 1 John 3, 9. Now, one time I was at a Bible study in Orange County, California. And they had this uh, teaching from the, the large church that this individual, that this group of about 15 young people were all going over. And the subject of sin came up and uh, they all said, yeah, well, shoot, we're sinners. And I said, wait a minute. Time out. Let's go to First John 3 verse 9. And I read that to them. And the lady who was running the Bible study is like, um, that's not what we're talking about right now. And I said, I thought this was a Bible study. And she goes, yeah, and I, that's not what we're talking about. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you're not edifying us. How can I not be edifying you by reading the word of God? That's the problem, is that some people out there who claim to be Christians don't actually want the totality of Christ. They don't want everything that God has for them. They want to pick here and there. They want to be able to have a convenience factor for them to be able to sin, to do what they want to do, but not totally yield as Paul outlined, not totally yield to become a true servant of God. But that's the only way to serve Christ, my friends. That's the only way is to live free in Christ. If the son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay, here's verse 18. Let's, we'll stay in 1 John chapter 3. Let's go down to verse 18. It says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. So if you've been told erroneously that you'll always be sinning, you'll you'll always be in that place. That's not true. and And as long as we can get free of that, get free of that, get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I want all of you. I want your word in my heart, Lord, on the tip of my tongue. I want all of you, Lord, know that even if you have been told those lies, because they are a lie, as clearly outlined here in the Word, that's a lie. We do not have to sin. When we walk in Christ, we are free from sin. Period. End of story. If you've been told that lie, though, God is greater than that lie. Rest in God Almighty. You'll hear more about this today too. But just rest and know that God is the great deliverer, including he delivers us from lies. And when we finally get to walk in that fullness of Jesus Christ in Nazareth, then we'll have confidence toward God. And it says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Sin is not pleasing in God's sight. So we need to be free from sin. That is one of his commandments. Be therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. And it says in verse, we're back in 1 John 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Again, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the key to walk free from sin. It's very glorious, and it is the love of God. It is the very key to understanding the incredible eternal love of God, is to walk in the Spirit. Let's go to Galatians 5, verse 16, speaking of walking in the Spirit. And again, when we walk in the Spirit, when we are freed from Jesus Christ and accept the Holy Spirit in our life, and we walk in that, we will not sin. Why? Galatians 5 verse 16, it says, this I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the, of the spirit, ye are not under the law walk in the spirit and you won't sin because the sin is part of the flesh and the spirit is god so you have every day we choose one or the other one or the other and again every day we get to choose whether or not we will fulfill that commandment of christ be ye therefore perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, if God gives us a commandment like that, don't you think he's going to make a way for it? And by the way, that was Matthew 5, 48. Yeah, don't you think God's going to make a way for that when he when He asks us to do that? Of course, God is only righteous. So when he, when he gives us a commandment, he'll give us the means to fulfill it. And that's the Holy Spirit. And here's how we know this. It's in Romans 5, verse 19. It says, for as by one man's disobedience were many made sinners, speaking of Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous, Jesus Christ. So we aren't made righteous by our own effort or our own logic or our own thinking. We're made righteous through Christ. Again, removing the natural mind, yielding ourselves to the spirit of god that's how we are made righteous now the greek meaning of this word righteous it's so interesting it means equitable it means innocent we are made innocent in god's eyes it means right and just and the root word of the of this word righteous is a judgment or decision my friends God has made the judgment that we are righteous. When we obey Christ, God has decided that we are righteous. Let's believe God. It says in verse 20, this is Romans 5, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. Reign unto righteousness, unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Again, through yielding to the Holy Spirit, we get to reign through righteousness and have that eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And sin is no longer part of our life. Isn't that beautiful? Now, in Romans 14, again, this is Apostle Paul outlining this, and it's so wonderful to read what Apostle Paul has to say. Verse, uh, Chapter 14, verse 17, this is really interesting. It says, and, and a, Apostle Paul is dealing with the Romans and all their um, religious habits, and he's letting them know, you guys, those religious habits have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then he outlines how, you know, whether or not you observe or don't observe isn't important, isn't important. It's about our faith in believing God. And so we'll skip down to verse 23. It says, and he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. So if we're not sure whether or not we're doing the right thing, or if we're not sure whether or not we we should or shouldn't do something, ask God, just put a, press the pause button and ask God, Lord, is this of you? He'll answer you. And then walk forward in faith. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So that's why those who say, that, well, you got to sin or sin is inevitable. They actually don't know Christ. They actually don't know him. Because if they had faith in Christ, they would know that we get to walk free from sin. And my beloved friends, we can now get to walk forward in great faith, knowing that through the Holy Spirit, we are not sinners. Once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're baptized for the remission of sins and we walk in the Spirit. No longer do you walk in sin. So once you're corrected by God or maybe another brother and and the Lord shows you, okay, this wasn't the right way of doing things. Yield yourself to God. Yield yourself to God. Simply say, Lord, I'm sorry. And move forward in God's great confidence and love. And I'm so blessed. I have a true apostle here. My spiritual grandfather, his name's Brother Bob. He's outlining even more along these lines. So listen closely. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, now's a good time to click on a new tab in your browser. Go to radioremnant.org and tune in. Our next three messages are dynamite, and I'm kicking it off with our beloved apostle, Brother Bob. He's ministering out of the book of John here. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he recorded this as part of a television ministry many decades ago. And, and your ears and your heart receiving the fullness of of the gospel right here. This is how it's meant to be, my wonderful friend. So here is our friend, Brother Bob out of John 14.
2: It's so good to get back into the word of God again. It gives me real pleasure to be back before you today before the cameras. I've been having such wonderful response through the mail, people calling, thanking me for bringing the word direct from the word of God and the Bible. This is the only way that I believe that the gospel today can be preached and be preached in truth. And I believe God's people should know the truth because Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The word, it is spirit and it is truth. Once the word is spoken from the Holy Scripture, it becomes spirit and truth and it goes on throughout eternity. My message today is going to start in St. John 14, verse 1. Now, these are Jesus' own words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus himself said that. But he said for you to do something. He didn't say he could do it all. He said you had yourself to put forth a little effort let not your heart be troubled. He said for you not to let your heart be troubled. Then he went on to say, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And just before Jesus ascended to go into heaven and stand on his Father's right hand, he said this, my peace I give unto you My peace I leave with you. He told his disciples and many others that just before he ascended. So then he said, Here, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And he said, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, he was talking to his disciples here. He was talking to his disciples. He said, where I go, you go. And where I am, there you may be also. In another scripture, he said, it says he ascended above all heavens. Now, that is the power and the might of a promise that God gave to his people. I have accepted that promise to be where Jesus is now throughout eternity. Because he said it, I believe it, and I not only believe it, but I can feel it in my soul. My soul is perfectly at peace. I let nothing trouble me anymore. Nothing troubles me anymore. I still do my natural business and the things that I have to do in this life, but there is no trouble that can trouble me because Christ within me is greater than all day in the world. And that is the point where God has brought me as an individual. This is the place where God wants all of his people to be as individuals. Thomas, in the fifth verse, said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Well, Thomas had stood there and heard Jesus say all these things, but he's like a lot of people that I know out here in the world. He just didn't sink deep enough into his ears for him to understand. But I, as a minister, take my time And will be taking my time so that every one of you can positively understand every one of my words. I don't talk too fast, and I won't talk too slow for you. And I won't give you anything but pure scripture to guide your soul. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now Jesus said that. No man can come unto God the Father or Jehovah Father except through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I have looked up those three words, way, truth, and life. And if you want to look them up, get you a good dictionary, like the Webster's, and you will find that nothing can be added to those three words and absolutely nothing can be taken away. The way, the truth, and the life is the whole matter as i might say in a nutshell Mm -hmm. an acorn brings forth a great oak tree a little acorn no bigger than my thumb will bring forth hundreds of tons of oak tree yet before that oak tree grew it was all stuffed down inside of that little seed the acorn and that's just the way it is with jesus christ he is the way the truth and the life all stuffed inside of his holy word here. You can add nothing to him. You can subtract nothing from him. And it's all for you. Let's go and see what Jesus said here. He said, if ye had known me, you should have known the Father. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now Jesus made a proclamation there to the world that is one of the greatest mysteries of our time. Let me repeat that. If you had known me, you should have known my Father. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long a time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us The father. I know what some of you are thinking. He's preaching a denominal doctrine. No I'm not. I'm preaching right from the word as it is written. I do not have any denominal ties. God has forbidden me to take any denominal ties. He sent me to preach the gospel, not a gospel. And I don't intend to preach a gospel. I intend to preach only the gospel as Jesus Christ quoted it. And as he has given me by the anointing of the Holy Spirit knowledge and understanding of how to preach it and to whom to preach it and when to preach it. I'm son of God. That's why I use strictly scripture for everything that I say. And you people, if you keep watching, keep listening, keep understanding, God will open the scripture to you in a new way that has never been opened to the public before in this generation. And it's time that this generation has the word of God opened unto them. Believe me, dear ones, I'm here just for that purpose. Just to open the gospel to you so that you can dwell with me in eternity as a beautiful glorified body to be with throughout eternity. I would like to be with every one of you throughout eternity. Now let's see how Jesus explained this ninth verse. Jesus said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Now Jesus said three things there. He said, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me, and the works that I do is what he does through me. In other words, Jesus said, I have the spirit of my father in me. That makes him and I one. Two personalities, but one spirit, the Holy Spirit. He came in his father's name. He came in his father's spirit. And that's it. The word Jesus or Emmanuel being interpreted means God with you. And this is what Jesus is trying to get over to his people today. Let me come in in the spirit of through the word, and I and my Father will be inside of you. And having known both the Father and the Son, and recognizing him as a spirit, then that spirit is what will take you up in the resurrection in the last day, or take you into glory when you draw, draw your last breath. It's just that simple. Jesus went on to say, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Did you notice how he repeated that? I found myself repeating many times, but Jesus had to repeat and repeat and repeat many times in order to get people to understand his perfect mind. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Believe me for the works that I do. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus preached three years and six months, more or less. And the works that he did, if the books had been written, of everything that he did, it says, I suppose that the world could not contain the books. In the first place, it couldn't contain the weight of them, but mainly it couldn't contain the power of the Spirit that would be in those words and in those books. If everything was recorded that Jesus did, this earth could not stand the power of it. It can hardly stand the power of the simple reading of the Word right now. You'd be surprised how the devil is rising up and trying to stop these telecasts and the obstacles that he puts in our way. Physical, spiritual, and financial. You would be surprised how many fools there is in this world in high places. Now the word fool means godless one. You would be surprised how many godless people there are in this world that do not even want us to exercise our own constitutional rights in the natural, let alone our spiritual rights in the spiritual. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what comes against the gospel. It came against Jesus. We can expect it to come against us. But I know this, that the one within us is greater than all day in the world. I would like to explain this now as I go on. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now there is a statement Jesus made that every professing Christian in the world should practice. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Ask anything in my name, and he said, I'll do it. That's faith. And if you get filled with this word and get that kind of faith, you can ask God for anything you want and he will do it for you. I don't lack for a thing. I don't lack for a thing as far as my natural flesh is concerned. I don't have to lack because God does whatever I ask him. And he said in the next verse, in the 14th verse, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to elaborate on that. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, because a Spirit-filled Christian is not going to ask Christ for anything amiss, because the Holy Spirit will not let them, by the wisdom that he gives them through the Spirit, ask for anything to consume it upon their own lust, or ask amiss. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. On the street this morning, a stranger walked up to me and smiled, a man that I had never seen before, and I asked my wife and son, Shall we go? And the man, he just started walking with us. I said, why don't you just come and go on home with us? I said, we have a turkey out there. It's Christmas time. Come on and enjoy a holiday season with us. He said, I would like to do that. But he said, you see, I have my family here also. We just moved here. And I knew that I was the first one that had welcomed him to this area. And we had the nicest talk while we were waiting on the lights to change so we could cross the street. And I know that man was a Christian because he had the sweetest spirit. He was friendly. He could smile. And I knew that he was keeping the commandments of the Lord because I could see the love for his neighbor as himself in him toward me. We need this natural love one for another again. This is the whole gospel, to love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? Everybody. Everyone, the man on the street, the man that lives next door to you, that's right. How nice and how well it would be to see everybody smiling and greeting one another on the streets, whether you know them or not. Why don't some of you try it and see how quick it works? It's written in the word, to be friendly, you must show yourself to be friendly. I think it's time for the Canadians to get friendly one with another and reestablish themselves again because we've got one of the greatest nations on earth today. We have the greatest nation on earth today. We have a democratic system that works. We have peace. We have the right to minister the gospel. We have the right to acknowledge God as the supreme being. Acknowledge the supremacy of God. Did you know in our Constitution, every man, woman, and child, it says, must acknowledge the supremacy of God to be a Canadian? Our Bill of Rights reads that way that we acknowledge. The supremacy of god canadians let's start right now and start acknowledging the supremacy of god start with one another start by greeting each other on the street and saying hello there how are you try it it really works go to your community center introduce yourself and say i'd like to be friends i'd like to make friends with people in this town or in this community i'd like to help this community to better itself. Jesus did wherever he went, always bettered the community. He always made a better place to live and brought in that love that should be shown one to another as fellow beings before God. God made us all in his image. Now I'm just talking to you out of my heart today. I just feel like I should talk to you this way because I feel that we need it. We need just a good old-fashioned old time sit down and talk. A friendly talk, maybe over a pot of tea, over some sandwiches, or over a barbecue pit. Wave at your neighbor the next time you see him drive by. Wave at people that you know across the street and say, hi, how are you? Nobody will think you're crazy. Not if you start the trend and get it going. They'll start saying, oh, what a sweet town, what a friendly town, what a wonderful people. Really be something, wouldn't it? we get rid of all of our isms and schisms and racist ideas and so on and nationalistic spirits and just become one people before God like our Bill of Rights asks us to do and our Parliament backs us up to do. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Speaking of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus said he would send this comforter to you. So why not just accept it? Why not say, Jesus, I want the comforter. Since the Holy Spirit is given to them that ask him. It's so simple to receive. Just ask him. Mm -hmm. He won't turn you down. He said, even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. I walked the course of this world for 27 years. Not knowing God. I went from church to church to church. From church to church. To another church to another church looking for something for my soul from the time I was nine until I was 27. Then one day a minister that had the comforter, that was filled with the Spirit, that was filled with love and that loved my soul, began to quote scripture to me right out of the Bible, and instantly I was saved and converted. A man told me everything that I needed to know within five minutes a man that happened to be filled with love that God had sent. Today, if any of you people would like to know more about God, you will be welcome to write to me, and I and my staff, as I've said before, will endeavor to answer you quickly and give you scripture for all of your questions and give you answers for everything that you need to know to get your soul filled with the comforter or to bring comfort to your soul. Jesus went on to say I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, period. People, Jesus himself says, I will not leave you comfortless. He wants his people to be happy and to be free in their mind, body, soul, and spirit. I am free today. I'm a free man in the spirit of the Lord. I am not comfortless. I know that when I draw my last breath, Jesus will be there waiting to escort me up. I have that assurance. He wants you to have this assurance because he went on to say in the 19th verse, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. Christ is alive and he does live today and he lives for you. It says at that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. He combined three personalities together there with that verse. I am in the father, he and the father together, and you and me, you and Christ together, and I and you, all three together, the father and the son in you. Three separate personalities combined by one spirit in your mortal flesh to instruct you how to do the works of God and live before him clean and holy. In one place he said, behold, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I believe that Christians are a perfection of God. That perfection is for his people today because it is in the Bible. On one of my next telecasts, I will be ministering on perfection. It is one of God's blessings that he gives his people today. He said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest or show myself unto him. Now there is a promise that Christ cannot keep from fulfilling. Jesus Christ has appeared to me I know his voice because he said, I'll show myself to you. I have seen Christ. I've seen a vision of him. I know that he is alive today. I know that he is for you. I know the same things that he has shown me is for you at this time. Just believe the word of God. Get your faith up where Christ can use you and then receive all the good things he's got for you. I feel that in this day and age, that simplicity is the key to every man, woman, and child's salvation. Because Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say it was going to take you a month or a year or ten years to get it, but he said, I will give you rest now. Right now is the day for you to enter into your rest. There is a message on entering into the rest of God. It says there is a rest unto the people of God. And ladies and gentlemen, we're in that day that Jesus offers this perfect peace and rest. So let not your heart be troubled. You stop your heart from being troubled. He said, let not your heart. Don't you let it be troubled. Don't let anything trouble you anymore. If something does trouble you a little bit, just look up and say, now, Jesus, here am I. You said you'd give me your peace. You said you would leave your peace with me. I accept that. And I accept the perfect peace right now that you so faithfully died to send me through the Comforter and through the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for listening today. God bless you is my prayer for you. I love you very much. And God bless you again. Amen.
1: That was our wonderful friend and true apostle, Brother Bob. Isn't that wonderful? Simplicity is the key to receiving all the good things that God has for each one of us. And there's nothing better in this life than receiving the true love of God through the truth of his word. Thank you so much for being here. There's also nothing better than being set free by that truth and staying free and we have now part two of a series on god's bigger picture Now, God's got the whole eternal picture in mind with all of his works, and our beautiful friend, a wonderful minister and prophet of God, Trish, she outlines this wonderfully. Now, there is a part one. We aired it last week, and next week we'll have part three. So it's a whole series. This is part two, so don't miss any part of it, Um, but each one does stand alone as well, and it's just wonderful to be able to see that bigger picture of God Almighty, and again, turn up the volume and listen to how the Lord in different personalities and different voices remains perfectly unified.
0: I'm going to start in John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now, Jesus was talking about the glorification that was going to take place shortly. His crucifixion is going down into the nether parts for those three days and rising again and ascending up to the Father and then returning to earth in a new form, in the form of the Holy Ghost. Now, he had earlier in John, He had prepared his disciples or began to prepare his disciples for this new thing that was going to happen. And at this time, the disciples didn't fully understand what was coming, but Jesus did. So Jesus knows that he's done everything he came to do, he's got to finish out this last thing. So, what he's doing here is he's getting his word out, power. And authority by the Spirit over all those and everything and all his work that he has to leave behind. And he's establishing everything right up to this very day. What he said in this chapter when he's talking to God, it stands to this very day and plays out. Um, It'll play out until it's all finished. So let's go over into verse 2 as thou has given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him now he's speaking of himself here when he says you've given me power over all flesh and you'll give eternal life to as many as you have given into into my hands and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Well, there's quite a statement there. When you sit back and you take your time to read the word and talk to God, pause and think about what he's actually saying here. He's saying, I was with you before I came here. I was with you before you made all of this, before this even existed. I was with you. Do you know you saints of God that have the infilling of his Holy Spirit have that same indwelling of spirit that was there before the world was formed. And when you have that infilling of the Holy Ghost in you, and you've mortified all the deeds of the flesh, you've removed all the workings of the flesh out of your life, and you're just pure spirit incarnate in flesh like Jesus was when he was here. When this flesh leaves off that spirit of God that's in you and your soul and joined as one will return back to god you'll return back just like jesus did and he goes on to say i have glorified thee on the earth i have finished the work which thou gavest me to do and now o father glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which i had with thee before the world was I have manifested thy name unto men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. There again, it repeats it again. You belong to God, saints of God. You belong to him, and you've been sent here by him, and it's going to repeat this. You've been sent here by him to do a job, just like Jesus was here to do a job. And Jesus knew and recognized and acknowledged that God the Father gave those precious souls into Jesus's hands. Those of you that have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the souls that come into your life and are presented to you are gifted to you by God the Father. And you'll know when they're the ones that are gifted to you by God the Father because they will keep the word that you give to them from God the Father. Jesus said that, I have manifest thy name unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. They came forward and they came out of the world and they came into a spiritual walk with you, Lord. Thine they were, they were always God's and thou gavest them me that you gave them to me and they have kept thy word that's how you'll know that a soul was sent from god and given to you because they will keep the word of god and they will live it they will manifest it and they will do what god tells them to do they will keep that word now they have known that all things whatsoever thou has given me Are of thee. See how Jesus was very careful to make sure that every soul that came into his care knew that everything he was giving them came from God the Father. That's how you'll know you're in a true ministry and you have a true minister and disciple of God, servant of God, representative of God, teacher of his word, overseer of those things that pertain to God. They will always, always, always direct you to God. They will never take the glory to themselves. They will never put themselves up on some big platform. They'll never be going out and campaigning to make a name for themselves. They will always point you to God the Father. And you'll see Jesus always was careful to do that. And he said, anyone that you gave into my hand, they know everything I told them came directly from you. I pray for them. There he is. This is what Jesus is doing. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. That's a very powerful statement right there. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, incarnate when he was on this earth, walking around in an earthen vessel, made that declaration before he left this Realm, this earth. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. That's who Jesus prayed for. That's who he prayed for right then before he left this earth. He says, I'm not praying for the world, I'm praying for those souls that thou hast given me, because they're yours. He's not going to pray for something that does not belong to God, that is not of God, that is ungodly and corrupt. He doesn't. He prays for that which is of God and comes from God. And all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. Well, that's a powerful statement right there. See, he's projecting forward into the dispensation that's about to come upon them. He says, I am glorified in them. Do you know that today, believing Christians, that when you have that infilling of the Holy Ghost, when you've been baptized under those holy hands, and you've received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you are glorified and glorifying God. He's in you and being glorified through you. It's a very powerful thing. You have all the power and authority, exactly what Jesus had when he walked upon the face of this earth. Why? Because he is in you in the form of the Holy Ghost. And you have that connection with him one-on-one. He's the advocate and he's earned that. He has truly earned that. And now I am no more in the world. See, now he was still standing there. And he was making a prayer and talking to God the Father, but he said right then and there, do you see how he projected forward? I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. These ones here, they're in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are you see how he commended the Father? He knew where the power and authority was. It was with God the Father, and he also knew the power of his words. And he made that declaration back then that God would keep you, that he would keep all the ones that he cared for, that he tendered and fed, all the ones that were given into his hand from God the Father, that God the father would keep them. He says, I'm going to have to leave now and I have to leave them in your care. And when he made that declaration, keep through thine own name, those which thou has given me, that they may be one as we are. That was a promise that he made between him and God. He made that declaration to God. And you know that that declaration stands to this very day that God The Father will keep you. When you've been given to the Lord, when you have that infilling of the Holy Ghost and you were sent here by the hand of God and you've got a work to do, he will honor Jesus' petition to keep you as one with him. Jesus and the Father, you're one with him in the Spirit by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is extremely powerful. And... Beautiful people of God, know who and what you are and know how powerful that prayer is. God will keep you as long as you let him. While I was with them in the world. Do you see how he's already talking in past tense? While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast given me, I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Well, Jesus knew that any that were truly His and any that were truly given to Him by the Father, they weren't gonna be able to be plucked out of the Father's hand. There's no way. Because my sheep know my voice. That's what God said in His Word. So nobody's gonna be able to move them from Him. But the son of perdition, that's the one Jesus said, I don't pray for. That son of perdition, That's the son of Satan, the son of wickedness that has the wiles and the ways and workings of this world. And by and by, they may appear like an angel of light, but over time, they're going to start to show their true color. And they will eventually depart in one form or another. They will leave off and depart. And by that, you will know that they were never part of God even if they lingered for a while and for a season and appeared to be part of you. That's how you'll know. And see, Jesus knew, nobody left me except the son of perdition, the son of Satan, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I want them to have that joy, not just in me. I don't want to just have the joy. I want them to have the joy. Jesus said he wants you to have the joy that he feels over you. He wants you to have and feel that incredible joy of victory in God and in Christ Jesus. The fullness of it, he wants you to experience it. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says, the world doesn't like them, and you can see that. You can look around and see that there's a a warfare going on, righteousness against unrighteousness, evil that absolutely hates a pure heart and a pure stance. There's just an enmity between the two. It was there from the very beginning. It was there from the very beginning. And Jesus knows once they have that infilling and that mark, there is that dividing factor that goes on. Don't be surprised by it. Just understand what it is and continue going forward in the joy of the fullness of Christ, knowing who and what he is and knowing who and what you are. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. He says, I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that while they're here, you keep them out of evil. You protect them. See that shield of faith that God Put around you through Jesus' prayers. He prayed that great protection and that covering and that dome over you to keep you and protect you. You have that to this very day. Just call upon it, know that it's there and stand in it. Mm-hmm. Keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of. The world dear saints of god realize that you're not of this world this world isn't going to love you it's not going to like the ways of god it never has don't be surprised by that but you do have a sanctification you do have a covering verse 17 sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth that's how you get sanctified that's how you're going to stay on point and stay on course is through the truth. And where do you find the truth? In the word of God. The word of God is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou has sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now, see, you've got a commission. You were sent. Here to do something. You were sent here to fulfill something. It's between you and God to find out what that is every day. Now the disciples, now this is a very personal uh, interaction between Jesus and God the Father. He's laying it out before God the Father. He's laying it out for all time. He laid it out for you. And this is what he's laying down for you in these prayers. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Jesus has sent you here. He was sent here by God the Father. Now you have a commission here. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Do you see how that perpetuated? And it is going on to this very hour until it's all complete. It perpetuates. He says, I'm not just praying for the ones here that I've had personal interaction with. I'm praying throughout all the existence here on this earth. For every soul that shall believe on Jesus and God the Father through the word of those that have been sent here by the Lord to do this continued work through you, through you, that they all may be as one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. What an amazing thing. When you hear the word of God, and all of a sudden things start making sense and it all starts coming together. I remember as a floundering soul on the face of this earth, before I came to someone that had the fullness of the Word, had the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I want to say what's very interesting is that when I was a young girl, I had gone to two different denominal organizations. I don't need to name names, that's not important. But what I noted from it, and why did I stumble through this life? Because nobody taught me how to read my Bible, nobody. They would give maybe one little verse or a portion of a verse up on a board and then they'd read a canned story and everything was scripted. And I never once, never once in either one of those denominations heard that there even existed a Holy Ghost. I never knew about the infilling of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God. Never even heard about speaking in tongues. Never heard about it. Didn't even know it existed. I did hear something vaguely about baptism and I just thought right away, well, I am never going to do that because there wasn't anything that led me to believe that they would even understand some of the things that I was seeing and hearing, because at that point in my life, as time moved on, the Lord would come and visit me and talk to me personally. But nobody ever told me that he was a spirit and that he existed today and could dwell in my physical carcass. Nobody ever told me that. And what they were giving me never gave me any peace or comfort. I never obtained anything from it. So I just went, oh, this isn't working. I want to know who this is that's talking to me. I want to know about this, these visions that I'm getting and these things that I'm seeing. Who can tell me about that? And I remember the man that came into my life. Somebody told me about him. And when they said his name, I heard that familiar voice in my ear, that spiritual voice. That man has your answers. That voice I followed. I found out after that that voice was the voice of God. But at that time in those denominations, not one of them could tell me what that was. And I knew if I brought it up to them, they would put me in a straitjacket and think I was nuts. had some kind of affliction of some sort, and I didn't trust them. I never did. I was as sound as could be. I was very sound, I had a very sound mind. So. When I heard about it and I went to listen to this man, the very first thing he taught about was the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And he taught about the different layers of heaven, levels of heaven and how Paul was caught up into third heaven and the interaction there. And I'm going, wow, but what blew me away was he, it was coming out of the Bible. Nobody in those denominations taught me about that. And I'm going, the answers just began to unfold. That's how you know you've got the real thing. All of a sudden it's going to start to make sense. All of a sudden the answers are, the lights are going to go on and you're going to find out things that you never heard before and they will make sense to your soul and you will bear witness to it. And those things that you don't automatically understand, because when I heard tongues for the first time, I just laughed inside myself and I thought, oh, they're just making that up. They can be making that up. I've never heard of such a thing. And my fleshly mind, that natural reasoning, didn't understand it. But God understood. And God bore with me. And before the night was through, He filled me with that Holy Ghost. And I knew of a surety firsthand that it was real. And I went from cold, crying, heartbroken tears to laughing with joy and beautiful, warm tears of absolute, elated joy running down my face. Is it worth seeking it? Is it worth looking into it? Is it worth searching it out? I'd say it is. And it is better felt than felt. Search for it yourself, one-on-one, between you and God. So the Lord prayed for you that you would find Him and that you would love Him the same way He loves you, and that you would be joined with Him and God the Father and be as one, verse 21 again, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, That they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. That means being made complete. Until you get that complete infilling of the Spirit of God, you're an incomplete vessel. It's an imperfect state, an incomplete state. Now, see, Jesus knew at this time the disciples. We're in an incomplete state. They've been given a lot of word. They've been given a lot of teaching. They've had a lot of things demonstrated out in front of them. They felt this power moving amongst them. But there's something more that they receive. They need to receive it. And Jesus knows this and he's embarking on that journey to ensure that they fully receive everything that they need to be complete or be, in other words, made perfect and become one with God. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Do you know God loves you just like he loved Jesus? And Jesus loves you just the same way? That's why I say if you want to know how God feels, you go to him and you get his heartbeat in his love. Feel how he loves. And then you'll have a perfect heart towards everything that you do and endeavor to do in this life. Just get his heart. Father, I will that they also, whom thou has given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou has given me, For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Do you see that promise there? Right there. Jesus wants you to come join him. At the end of your course, Jesus wants you to join him where God the Father and where he is, that you may behold his glory and be where they were from the very beginning before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. These ones know God the Father, they know. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherein thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, see, Jesus is projecting ahead. He's projecting into this new thing. His words are so powerful. I want you to really grab a hold of this and understand it. How powerful your words are. When you have the infilling of the Holy Ghost and you have the unction of God upon you and you make these declarations by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, they are enacted the moment you loose it. See, Jesus has already projected himself forward. And his faith is going forward in a dispensation of time in man's realm, in the world's realm, hasn't happened yet. But in the power of his speech and the power of the projected word that he's putting out there, he's already there. And you're already there because he's prayed you there. He's already said, I want them here with me that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. All right. So Jesus made a very, very powerful declaration here. And like I said, it is in place now. It is playing out now, even though it was loosed thousands of years ago, it's still playing out to this very day. So don't underestimate the power of your prayers, the power of your word, the power of your declarations and know that they don't cease. Even if your physical being or presence on this earth may cease, your word, when it's released by the Spirit, will remain and it will fulfill those things that you've pressed it to fulfill. Jesus had to trust God the Father for those that he gave him. He had to trust those that he had to leave behind when he had to go to the Father. He had to trust that his word would be fulfilled and honored. And he knew that it would because he knew God. Let's go on to John 18 as this unfolds now. Now, when in verse one, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Sidon, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. Now, see, he had to make these last final declarations. He had to set that all in motion. And here he is. He's going forward. He's entering into this transition. He's taking his disciples with him. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Look at that. You see, if they had lanterns, then it was nighttime. Those things, they love to work in the dark. They don't like the lights turned on. They don't like the world around there to see what they're doing. They want to do it covertly. They want to do it in the dark. They wanted to do it behind closed doors. They wanted to do it in secret. So here they are. They're coming. And the betrayer that walked with Jesus and knew all the inner workings of Jesus and knew where Jesus would resort to, he sold Jesus out. He was bought off. Do you think those spirits exist today? I think they do. Don't let anything buy you off. It's not worth it, people. It's not worth it. But God had something that had to play out here. It was already preordained. In verse 4, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? That's all he said. Who are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. He stood with the betrayers. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. The power of that word coming out of him and the power of the presence of God literally thrust them backwards and they fell on the ground. It was so powerful. His presence is that powerful. Trust me, I know. I've had the Lord manifest to me, and I lost all physical strength, and I just went straight to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. He said, You're looking for me. Let these other ones go. He didn't want anyone else just let them go that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have I lost none? You see, Jesus spoke that into being. And so God had to honor it. So he said, let these go because that word had to be fulfilled that not one of them would be harmed. And they had to let them go. They had to let them go because Jesus had declared it just in the verse right before us. So they had to do it. They had to fulfill it. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And that's something Peter, he was feisty. He fought, but he fought of his own might and from his own way of thinking. The only thing he knew to do was to physically get up and smite the guy's ear off and I'm going to fight to the death and no, you're not going to take him and all of his, you know, everything that he thought should happen. Why? Because Peter yet was still in that earthen vessel that was incomplete. It hadn't been perfected yet. It hadn't received that part that Jesus was preparing to bring to this world. Peter didn't know it. Jesus had prepared them in every way that he could, but the fullness of it wasn't fully yet known or understood, so Peter was exercising his efforts out there to try and avert what he saw as a great disaster, but Jesus knew had to be fulfilled. So what did Jesus do? Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? It's not my will, Peter, but the Father's will I came here to fulfill. I came here to do what my Father sent me here to do. And each Christian, when they have that commitment from God, you've come here to do what God bid you to do. And you have that advocate, Jesus is right there. He knows what you're facing. He faced it. He came here and suffered all these things. He overcame everything that you're ever going to have to overcome. He's given you every answer that you need to have if you turn to Him. You get in His Word and you stand on the Word that Jesus and God the Father gave you and follow through and do what God gave you to do, each one of you. Jesus said, Shall I not drink it? I have to fulfill my Father's bidding. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law, Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Family members. Hmm. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Now, see how they were conspiring among themselves and planning among themselves, and they found somebody that they could pay off to betray Jesus? Sound sounds like a background conspiracy in behind closed doors. And they had this all mapped out. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the place of the high priest, but Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Now remember, if you remember that I'd ministered on it earlier, about the bigger picture. When Jesus was preparing the people, his disciples for what was coming, and Peter just bowed, I'm gonna follow you everywhere you go, I'm gonna follow you. And I will never, I'm just gonna stick with you. And Jesus said, well, Peter, before the cock crows, you're gonna deny me thrice. Oh, no, 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 that could never happen. Well, here we are. But remember, Jesus prayed. He didn't want anyone else harmed. Remember also that Peter has a job to fulfill that he was sent here to do from God the Father too, even though Peter doesn't know what it is yet. And the reason he doesn't know what it is yet, because that which will make him perfect and give him that understanding hasn't been sent yet. So everything that Peter's going through, he's having to take it all by faith and just follow through blindly, basically. So he's watching what's happened to Jesus and he's going, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. See, the word's going to have to be fulfilled. Jesus said it. You're going to deny me three times. Well, there's one. And in verse 18, and the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I speak openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. I never heard a thing. I openly spoke. Why askest thou me? Ask them which hurt me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. Why are you asking me? Why don't you ask them? They know exactly what I said. When he, speaking of Jesus, had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answer thou, the high priest, so? How dare you answer like that? He just struck him across the face. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Why are you hitting me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Well, that's two. Twice he's denied him. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. There it was the third time, and the cock crew. Then led they Jesus from Cephas into the Hall of Judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the Judgment Hall, lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the Passover. Oh, the form and ritual, the hypocrisy. But they sent Jesus in there. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? Well, what are you accusing this man of? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee evildoer. If he wasn't an evildoer, we wouldn't have brought him in here. They didn't really answer him. They just said, he's an evildoer because we say so. Because we say so, he's an evildoer. Then said Pilate unto them, take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Well, we can't because our laws limit us. We want him dead and we can't do that. So We're sending him to you, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Is this coming from you? Or did somebody tell you I was the king of the Jews? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? I'm not a Jew. Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me, what hast thou done? Well, what have you done that your own people have delivered you to me? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He says, I'm, my kingdom isn't from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth, heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. I'm not finding any fault in this man. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover, Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. If he was a robber, a thief, I'm sure he was probably a liar too. But that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. They wanted a robber. They wanted a thief. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus. And scourged him. He says, well, I've got to appease them somehow. So I took Jesus and scourged him. Now, you know, this was very interesting when I was reading through John 19 and I read that first verse. And I thought, you know, if you were just reading through this casually and you just read verse 1 and then down to verse 2 and it just, well, he scourged him. Well, they gave him a little whipping or something. Would you really have realized the magnitude of what actually took place here? when they scourged Jesus. So I thought, Lord, what did that mean? What did it mean they, that they scourged you? So I went in and I studied what was involved in that. And it was a very wicked, evil time. That was a, a quite a dispensation on the face of the earth. And people had waxed very vicious and very hardened of heart and very cruel, very cruel. The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. A scourging in Roman times was 39 lashes. So you got a, a whip and you're going to be lashed 39 times. Now, a cat of nine tails was used. That's what they used for these lashings. With each tail having a piece of metal or bone embedded in the end of it. So you've got a whip and it's got nine tails on it. And each tail has a piece of metal or bone lashed into the end of it. Now, after the soldier struck Jesus Christ with the lash, the soldier dragged the lash across Jesus's body in a whipping motion. So he would strike him so that the metal and the bone would go down and sink into the flesh, and then he would rip it down, making that stripe. It would literally cut the flesh open. The piece of metal or bone shredded Jesus Christ's flesh as the soldier whipped it across his body. 39 lashes was the legal limit because 40 would kill a man. Because this was a cat of nine tails, it was actually 39 times nine or 351 lashes. So there were 359 stripes that were dug into and stripped down his body. Now, this was a society, back at that time, this was a society that had gladiators, men who fought to the death in the Colosseum for sport. They thought nothing of killing another human being. It was sport to them. The hardness of heart and how far they'd gone from the soundness and the basic principles of God They thought nothing of killing another human being. That's fearful. That's fearful when a people have gotten to the place where they're so hardened and so deceived that they don't even think anything of killing another human being. Literally stripping into shreds, tearing them apart, and murdering them. This society would later turn hungry wild animals loose on Christians in the Colosseum. These cruel and hardened soldiers made sport of the flogging. They thought it was fun. They made a sport out of it. And they would see the objective was to do the most damage without killing a man. They wanted to see how much damage they do shy of killing the person for sport. Forty lashes would kill. They figured that one out. So, 40 lashes save one, just shy of killing you. And that's what they did to Jesus. How easy it would be to just pass by that and not really realize what Jesus had offered to do and willingly did for you. For your sake. To be that sacrifice and to suffer those lashes for your healing. For your sake, for your deliverance, for you today. Do you know the scripture says, by his stripes, ye are healed? He bore it in his body, that affliction, that you could be healed and receive it. It was a powerful thing that he did. He loves you to this day. He loved you then, and he loves you now. His prayers went way beyond that moment. It went right into this time. And the soldiers plated or twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They didn't gently place it on his head. They put it on his head in a way that it would sink right down in there. So it wouldn't fall off. They hammered it right down in there in his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of Jews. And they smote him with their hands you know all of these things were written of in the scripture through prophecy and the word of God foretold. And Jesus knew when he came here, he had to fulfill all of that word that was loosed by the anointing of God throughout all those generations. From the very beginning, all the way through. That's how Jesus knew what he would have to do and fulfill. He had to fulfill it all. So there they are mocking him and smiting him with their hands. It even says where he would turn his face and they would smite him, those that would smite him that would pluck the beard.
1: He had to fulfill that. So he allowed all of these things. He allowed it. And there's our friend Trish and an incredible message. Part three is next week. So we continue on that same teaching that's just incredible and um, really helps us understand God's bigger picture and how Christ, his sacrifice was so complete and so thorough that we get to walk free from sin. That's what Christ accomplished. That was the purpose behind what he came to do. And he did it. He did it. And incredibly and and through outrageous suffering. So much more to get from that series. I hope you enjoyed part two. Part three is next week. Please don't miss it. Uh, it's very, very important. And so much love has gone into that series as well. So much uh, research and careful consideration of the word. Isn't that beautiful too to hear that? How we can slow ourselves down to be able to really understand, Lord, what did you do here? What does this actually mean? Lord, help me understand the depth and the breadth of this scripture. It's so wonderful to be able to slow ourselves down and do that. That's a great gift from the Lord. And so we encourage us all to do that regularly here and get your love on. Slow life down spend time in the word one-on-one either with your family or just you and your god god almighty one-on-one with the with him our next featured minister his name's Corey, and he is an incredible minister he does that regularly and so the lord gives him just wonderful revelations and straight from the bible and so we have a. Um, incredible series. It's called The Sermon on the Mount. So we have a Get Your Love On YouTube channel, and you can search it. This is a little taste of part 37. Each video is about 10 to 15 minutes long, so we can glean so much knowledge of God and Jesus Christ and what he was saying to each of his disciples and to each of us by going there and getting a few getting a few uh, episodes under our belt, and then going about our day. It's a wonderful way, and it's a wonderful resource that our friend Corey has chosen um, by his great love and dedication to the Lord to offer up to us here on Get Your Love On. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, Again, this is called The Sermon on the Mount, and this is part 37.
3: Now, when Jesus first appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, he said something else about forgiveness. Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost? Whosoever sins, you remit; they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins, you retain; they are retained. That's John twenty verses twenty one to twenty three. So there's kind of a there's an implication here. Is not everyone gets forgiven. Because to remit, that's to forgive, to let go, yield up, to give up, to surrender. But to retain means to use strength. In other words, to seize, to hold, to keep, to lay hold on. In other words, the sins are held in place. They're not sent away, they're held in place. Satan or what Satan's working through, their sins are retained. The sins of Satan are retained unto him. He, does, he doesn't get forgiveness. But we have to be very careful in making that determination between whether it's a brother that's sinning you know, and can be forgiven and whether it's actually Satan himself that's operating there. There has to be discernment between the two. It's a very careful thing in doing that. Jesus Christ of Nazareth died and rose again for the remission of sins. And we partake in that death and resurrection when we repent of our sins, when we undergo water baptism, according to Acts 2.38. And we receive the Holy Ghost so we can bear true witness of that remission by the power of God working through us. And the Lord said this to his disciples before he ascended. He said, You shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Lord said that in Acts 1, verse 8. Now, this is how we discern between a soul that needs forgiveness and Satan himself operating that doesn't get it. it says when we remit the sins of others when we forgive the sins of others it means we bear witness by the holy ghost and it has to be done by the holy ghost like reading the word of god is spiritually discerned reading a soul or spirit that's in front of you is also spiritually discerned so when we remit the sins of others it means we bear witness by the holy ghost that they have indeed truly repented and partaken in the same remission of sins that we have. They have truly partaken in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're where we are, and they can be forgiven. But if we retain the sins of others, it's because we bear witness by the Holy Ghost that they have not repented or received the same remission of sins. They're unrepentant and unholy. So either way, the sins of others are remitted or retained unto them. The wording of that scripture says, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. It doesn't mean we retain their sins. It means they're retained unto them. They're stuck with it. We bear witness of that by the Holy Ghost. And whatever we bear witness of here in this natural realm, that's also borne witness of in the spiritual realm. The Lord said this: "Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." Matthew 18:18. 18, 18. So, when we bear witness that a soul is bound to their sin by the Holy Ghost, God bears witness to it also. We bear witness that a soul is loosed from their sin. God bears witness to that also when it's done by the Holy Ghost. Now, God commands us to bless and not curse. Covered that a couple times. To bind the devil or to bind evil spirits to prevent them from doing harm is a blessing. When we bind those spirits to hell. And to loose souls from the oppression of the devil or from the oppression of evil spirits is also a blessing whether we bind or whether we loose. The Lord said this, If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Ghost, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Matthew 12, verse 28. By the Spirit of God, devils are cast out and bound to hell. Casting out evil spirits and binding them to hell, they may see it as a curse from their point of view, but they're liars because they're of the devil. But... It's a blessing to those that are oppressed by them, and it's a blessing in the eyes of God when we cast out devils and bind them to hell. Now, souls that are attached to evil spirits or retain evil spirits, in other words, they're unrepentant and will not allow those spirits to be detached from them, they will not allow those spirits to be remitted from them, they reject that blessing of having those spirits removed from them. And because we cast out those spirits and bind them to hell, guess what? The soul that's attached to those spirits goes with them. So we bind those spirits to hell. And where do they go? They go to hell. Hell is real. People go to hell. Those that are unrepentant, unclean, and will not get right with God. That's where they go. They're not forgiven because they haven't accepted that remittance that Jesus Christ gave for all of us. And they have to go to hell because there's nowhere else for them to go. They can't go to heaven because God will not accept anything that's unclean in his presence.
1: And that is a sample of part 37 of the Sermon on the Mount, just to give you an indication of the depth of the meat of the word offered here through a true fivefold ministry on Get Your Love On and getyourloveon.org. So please feel free. If you've stayed up with us this long, thank you so much. Lord bless you mightily. This is awesome that the word is getting out, going across this land. In fact, we had the proclamation that this is a righteous land, and we expect God to fulfill that across America, across Canada, and across every nation. To those who are praying that way, to those who believe God for that, yes, absolutely. What a great show. What an incredible, dense, (laughs) meaty show. Again, go to getyourloveon.org. We have Bible studies about the Holy Spirit talking in tongues. You heard our friend Trish mention how at first she didn't know about that, but then the Lord showed her the grandeur of it, and she went right after it with everything that's in her. And today, she's ministering internationally, so bless God you can also access all those videos all the Sermon on the Mound videos at getyourloveon.org we will be back next week as promised with part three of God's bigger picture so I hope you can join us then too in the meanwhile if you have any prayer requests or like to reach out or you want to get baptized please do reach out at getyourloveon.org in the meanwhile Lord bless your week and you know there's only good things to come for those who serve God Almighty. So hold on to that, cling to it, and let's march forward. Simple message, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. I keep my love on,
0: if I were you. And
1: I'm a simple singer,
0: but my heart and mind are strong.